What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm excited for the guests that I have on today. Uh, he and I have gotten a chance to connect over the last couple months, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because he's written a book that uh, I found very interesting. I wish I would have had it uh, when my boys were younger, but I'm excited to have him on so he can share his not only his experiences as a father, but also so we can talk about this book a little bit, um, Rookie Father. Um, Kendall Smith has joined me on Dad Up. Thank you for joining me, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for my listeners who may not know who you are, uh, let's let's dive deep into Kendall and uh, kind of a backstory about you and how you grew up. And then obviously, you know, this is a dad podcast. So I want to know about your family as well. Yeah, sure. So I'm a proud father of an eight-year-old son named Connor, married now for 18 years almost to my wife, Allison. Um, my background was I had a nice, healthy, happy family in Hohokus, New Jersey. Back in the 70s, and when I was six years old, parents separated, went on to divorce, and um, I had always been interested in writing. And as my interest in writing accelerated, what also happened is my father and I, our relationship became more strained. It was distant. I was in New Jersey. I was in Florida. And um, we had an estranged relationship, believe it or not, um, which was very sad. But as I went through it with my career and I advanced and I started to kind of accelerate as not only as a corporate worker, but as a, as a writer, I started to pivot into what I call kind of the advice-driven genre. And that kind of stemmed from the fact that I was a father back five years ago with a two-year-old at that time. And I was thinking about something new to write. And I thought my experience as a father, not really having one around as a, when I was growing up, there's so many dads like that out there in the market, in the, in the world, um, especially in our country, more than you might think. And we'll talk about that. But I wanted to write a playbook for brand new dads who are new to fatherhood. And the goal and the mission is to really give them succinct, actionable pieces of advice that can apply to in their lives um, and provide their children with a better experience so they have a happier childhood growing up. And that's literally the mission. And it's it's all about the reader and their kids. Awesome. Um, well, let's let's kind of dive into a little bit about your relationship with your own dad, because uh, as you said, it, it became strange because he had essentially moved, um, kind of went his own own direction. And as a young boy, I can imagine the impact that has had on you. Now, yeah. I've read the book, and so I know a little bit about kind of the backstory and a little bit about how you felt as a child. But take me back to that place as a child. I can, I, I mean... My parents are still together. Thank God they're still together, but I can, I can only imagine as a young boy to see your dad, you know, I know you talked about in the book, you know, kissing him goodbye and watching him drive off. Um, yeah. I, I can imagine the, um, the hurt that you felt and the uncertainty of what was next for you and your mom, not having your dad around. Yeah, it was a challenging time. It was so confusing. And like myself, I blame myself for their marriage falling apart, which anyone that's been through that or is hearing this, like you can't blame yourself for your parents' divorce. But um, it kind of, it got 
darker and darker as I was like, getting into my teenage years. You know, the estrangement happened. My father had remarried, moved to Florida, had two other children who later in my life I actually reconnected with. And now we consider each other family, which is a whole other story and um, one of the bright spots on my father's side of the family. But um, my parents basically, when he had his children, he started his own business. We were cut off from child support. Hmm. So that had a major impact on me, just seeing the struggle that my mom went through, like vocalizing and, or saying that, you know, we may lose the house. And when you hear that, when you're 12, 13 years old, one, it makes you paranoid about money. It motivates you to make money. So that was the only upside to it. Um, and it also, it, to me, it instilled a sense of, you know, when you have children and you start a family, you have to take responsibility for them. Uh, for the rest of your lives and the goal is to raise kids that can be obviously self-sustaining to care of themselves add a, make a positive contribution in the world but um back to that dark place it was just the confusion level was off the charts and now i look at my son and the stability security he has and the comfort level he has with his family intact it's night and day and i'll share one interesting statistic with you that i did learn from my research was that when um, one of the spouses marries and comes from a divorced household, that marriage for the children is 60% more likely to end in divorce. Mm. And I would love to see that come to an end. And I think the advice in the book that I try to give is, you know, the most important thing is to preserve your marriage. And what can you do? How can you work as a better team, espousing equality, um, taking responsibility whenever you can as a dad. I think that's mission number one. So, when guys come on and they talk about, oh, I became a single dad or I'm from a divorce, my wife and I divorced. I'm like, that's, I'm sorry to hear that. And I hope you persevered. Let's talk about keeping the marriage together. What, can, what advice can I give to help you? And this is in the book, again, in short, succinct chapters that can just be applicable. And if it's not applicable, it's not in the book. Yeah. No, I, you know, there's a lot of things within the book that I actually related to, um, not only growing up, but just as a dad myself, it's a book that I, you know, wish I would have had when my boys are younger, my boys are 23 and 20 now. So they're, they're older, but, um, <clears throat> you know, you take a look at this book, this is the book right here, rookie father. Um, you take a look at the book and it's a, it's a thick book. It's a small book, but it's thick. It's got 300 pages in it. But the cool thing about this book is it's a very easy read. Um, and the chapters are very short. They're like two pages long, each chapter, um, a couple of little longer ones, but, uh, for the most part, it's a very easy book to read, but there's a lot of similarities within the book that I kind of took me back as a child. Um, wow. one of them being, you know, you talk about, I, I had indicated that my parents are still together, but you had talked about, you know, not having that father figure in your life and kind of leaning on other people as kind of a father figure. And for me, my parents um, weren't, they were around obviously, but they weren't involved in my life because uh, they had jobs and they worked a lot. And so yeah. I experienced, um, you know, they rarely came to parent teacher conferences, open houses. I rarely went to um, the sports that I played in high school. I can count on one hand, how many, how many actual games that they came to and watched. Um, yeah. it, just because they had to work. It's not a, something, it's not a knock on them. It's just, they had to work. Uh, they couldn't be yeah. there. And that affected me as a child. And I knew, and you kind of talk about this in your book, but I knew uh, that when there was a day that came that I became a dad, 
uh, I was going to turn the table. I was going to change the direction of how I was raised and do something different because I didn't like that feeling as a child, being a child playing in sports and looking up in the stands and not having family there to support you. Um, just being, you know, I've coached all the way up through high school and I know players that I've had on my teams of parents that I've never met because they couldn't participate. They couldn't be there for their kids. And I know the effect that has on a child. And for me, just kind of having that experience myself, I knew I wasn't going to be that way. And that's why I coached every single one of the teams my boys played on. Um, I, I went to all their parent teacher conferences, open houses. I mean, I did everything with them, field trips, all that stuff, because it was important to me. Um, and you talk a lot about that in your book. And I think yeah. that's something that parents should understand that, Hey, those may seem little things to you, but to a child, they're huge. Um, so let's talk about that because, uh, as I said, it has a huge impact on kids. And for you as a young boy, not having your dad around, I can imagine the impact it had on you. Well, I, first, I want to just start by giving you credit because your parents worked and the time they didn't couldn't afford to get to your games and whatnot, you course corrected and you gave your children a slightly better experience in the, of growing up. And that's awesome. And I think Thank you. the funny thing is, is that it's so simple to just um, to have a, have a much more powerful impact on your children just by being there every single day, doing something every single day. And one thing I talk about in the book is time management. So when you think about your job and your career, like the first thing I talk about is like, you become a dad, the rules change for you at work. And if that's starting a little earlier, so you could stop a little earlier, if it's managing your commute. And now, how many guys are working from home? You know, the five days in the office thing, unless you're a business owner, or unless you're like a, an aspiring like, executive, even then, like you now are going to probably have more time with your kids and the generation of parents today, the upside to the pandemic. I just wrote an article about this, how like, you know, we have things to look forward to. Like no one is going to go and recruit you uh, for a new job. And if you're even, if you're interested and they say, um, you're going to be in the office five days a week, the workers are going to be like, what are you talking about? That's over. So I think the opportunity for the next generation of kids is significantly better um, post COVID. And I think that if you can get into that ritual every day of just doing something, having a ritual with your child or just making a positive impression every single day, um, even if your time is limited, it's when there's, when it's that compared to nothing, like what I have with my dad, it's going to have tremendous benefit for your kids growing up. Absolutely. And I think for, for my boys in particular, I know my younger son has talked about um, just because of how involved I was in his life and coaching his teams and things like that. He, yeah. he's, you know, he's hopefully this is a long ways down the road, but he already told me that when he's a dad, he plans on coaching. He wants to, he wants yeah. to be involved. So just the impact I had with him doing those things has shown me that I'm, I'm, I, court, like you said, course corrected. I changed the trajectory of my family tree, essentially. And um, it's, it's, it's going to have an everlasting effect. And and it's something that I'm thrilled about. Uh, But, you know, as I said, my parents were the complete opposite, and it impacted me. Um, So yeah, it's, it's amazing that uh, (laughs) I, I I get chills about it. But um, I I mean, we're talking about, yeah, it's, I want to dive into your book a little bit. Sure. <laughs> um, I know you started off a little bit talking about, you know, uh, you had an experience with Buddhism 
and yeah. talking about um, kind of the the positive natures of of that. I guess that experience and what it taught you. Let's talk about that because um, I'm not I'm not a Buddhist, but I think that you know it has some great impacts or great um, teaches. It can teach you some really cool things about life in general and. So let's talk about that. I mean, what do you, what's your experience now and uh, what kind of lessons did that give you or teach you? Yeah. The interesting thing is that that came about after working really hard in the dot-com industry back in the late nineties, that was hard charging. I was at a company that went public called NBCI, believe it or not, NBC owned part of it. And that I was in that industry for three years prior to that in publishing um, in, in ad sales and business development. And I was just burned out and I was turning 30 in the year 2000. And I'm like, I'm not going to end my third, my twenties in a tiny little cubicle with a boss. I couldn't stand. And I, and this is the book too. It's it's I had consistently saved over time. And what I was doing was trying to, or myself at that point, it was probably either a condo or it was a real estate investment. But then what I ended up doing was saying, I'm going to take a time out from work. And I went to Southeast Asia. The goal was to go to Angkor Wat, see the, all the temples of the old Khmer Empire. And then in that process, I came across um, a multitude of cultures. And in Thailand, I was welcomed, literally welcomed into their temples called Wats. And I was like, these guys are fantastic. They're friendly. They couldn't speak English, but we had meals together. It was very copacetic. They live a very basic life. And in one particular incident in Bangkok, at one um, at temple, I walked in. I just wanted to get out of the heat. It's a hot city. And I was in there, and then a monk walks out. So I start to leave to show respect. And he sits me down. He wanted to practice English. And I said, okay, tell me about Buddhism. Like I'm here. I'm seeing the temples. I've been reading about it. Um, always had a minor interest in it, but we dove deep for about an hour or two into this, the philosophies and without unpackaging the entire conversation, um, living in the moment and looking at consumer wealth, consumption, things you buy, what are all these things matter? And at the end of the day, um, relationships trump all. And the other thing I took from that meeting was living in the present. And I, even though it's over 20 years ago now, I still get kind of locked thinking about things in the past or anxiety about thinking about the future. And I try to come back to the center of thinking about what's in front of me today. And it's helped me as a parent because instead of like thinking about, you know, my son's sports progression and because of COVID, he's taking a hit. He went from T-ball to pitch ball in with like no in between. So he's, and he's, and he's also older. He's playing up. He's playing with third and fourth graders in second grade because of his age, his birth date. So now he's like out of his element. So to, to his point, what I've done with him is I'm not the coach on the team, but we're going once or twice a week down to the ballpark just to hit the balls and practice um, toss ups, hits, whatever. And again, just focusing on the moment. I think that has helped as far as philosophically in this crazy world we live in now. Well, that's cool. Um, You know, I found that, uh, reading about that, I found it very interesting because uh, it's always been um, something that I've been interested in learning more about. Um, yeah. And that, and you've actually intrigued me to uh, dive a little deeper into it because there's a lot of great positivity that comes from um, that culture that uh, 
that we can take into our own lives and we don't have to necessarily practice what they practice, but uh, some of the philosophies and things that they teach um, can really be applied to anything you're doing in your life. So that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, you talk also talk about in your book, um, the anchor father. And I found that a very interesting, um, kind of title to put on a dad, but, um, explain that what is anchor father to you and, um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I looked at some of the, when I was reflecting on the, the people that had the most positive influence in my life, those negative influence kind of creeped up as far as the memories go. And there, there were dads in my hometown that weren't involved or had a drinking problem, like not huge numbers, but enough that kind of stuck in my head. Like, I don't want to be that guy. And when I was growing up, um, I was very attuned to how fathers engage with their kids. Cause I, I knew when I was around eight years old, I'm going to be a dad one day. There's no dad in my house. So what can I do to learn from other fathers? And it, it from there, it also incorporated like teachers that really had a positive influence, coaches, Boy Scout troop leaders, believe it or not, that had a great influence on me and just about taking responsibility. But I started to kind of assemble a package of how I wanted the parent from all those positive influences. And the anchor dad was identifying those people that, that you did not want to pass down their values or they were just either negative or they brought something negative to the table and not that you're going to be the most perfect dad, but if you're conscious of certain characteristics, it could be something similar as like a jealous dad who's always envious of other dads. Maybe it's like keeping up with the Joneses. Like, I don't want that in my, my vernacular. I don't want that as part of my kind of code. And when you're, when you take that approach, you really can assemble your own approach to parenting. And it's, a, it's so empowering. I mean, even if it's your own, not to knock your dad, but like anyone who has a dad that you know, maybe they're quirky or maybe they're, you know, if it's like an Archie Bunker type, you know, sometimes those guys can have an, an influence and you don't have to necessarily entirely distance yourself, but you've got to one course correct or, or express how you feel if they're bringing that negative influence into your house. And then there's some people that you have to just cut off entirely. And those are folks that are just not going to have, you know, positive family values to bring to the conversation of the backyard barbecue. Yeah. You know, I think, um, when I look at as a dad, when my boys were younger, um, because of the, you know, obviously my, my dad was around. And one thing that I, one thing that I will give him credit for is that, you know, there were things that we did together, uh, father and son, uh, we were big into building cars. Um, so, you know, we're always out working together on a car. I built my first car when I was 12 years old with his help. So wow. there were things that we did together. Um, but at the same time, there were habits and things that he had that I think I took from him um, that I carried into fatherhood myself that mm. I didn't necessarily mean to, but it was, um, I don't know, uh, it just kind of the, I don't even know what to call it, um, but I, I carried things into my own fatherhood style that I took from him. Um, one of those being, you know, he was an alcoholic and mm. when I, when my boys were younger, you know, I was a drinker, I was in the Marines. So, you know, I like to joke that, you know, Marines taught me three things. They taught me how to kill. They taught me how to cuss and they taught me how to drink. So um, when I take those things into consideration and I look back to my life, when my boys were younger, I was a heavy drinker. And yeah. um, it's interesting, Kendall, because um, I've talked about this on my show before, um, but it's something that I'm 
proud of now, but back then I wish I would have done differently. Um, but, you know, I found myself at a place where I was drinking. It didn't impact my job. It didn't impact my coaching. I didn't drink or anything when I was doing those types of things. But when I was home at night, having a beer or having a couple of beers, um, I found myself watching TV. My older son was about to be a teenager and I asked him to get me a beer out of the fridge and it hit me when I had him getting me a beer from the fridge while I sat on the, in my chair watching TV. Um, it hit me that I'm now living the life that my dad lived with me. And I knew then that I did not want my boys growing up in an alcoholic family. And, um, so I had to, I had to make that, you know, course correction. I had to change, change something that I was doing. And one of those things was, um, I had to stop drinking. I had to, uh, and I quit cold Turkey. Wow. Yeah. And now it's, you know, this September will be 12 years that I've uh, haven't had a drink, uh, in 12 years. And it's something that I'm really proud of. And my boys to this day still thank me for making that decision. Um, but that's just one, one example that I think I carried from my own childhood into my life as a parent. Um, another thing is, uh, how we respond as, as parents to our kids. My dad was very abrupt. He was very loud. Uh, he had a temper, uh, and that's something that something else that I carried with me when my boys were growing up, I was very short tempered, something that I had to work on. Um, my whole point in telling you all this is that in your book, you talk about things that we carry from, from our childhood or from our past experiences when we're brand new dads, like you're talking about in the book as a rookie dad, um, the only thing you have to go off of are the experiences that you had as a child with your own father or the, exper- right. or, or the experiences or the people around you that you see, like you talked about, that you see how they are, you know, other dads acting with their kids. Those are really the only lessons we have into teaching us how to be a dad. Um, And it's important to take the good things and the bad things and, you know, kind of separate them. Um, Let's talk about that because I think that's important for parents to understand that, you know, if you're a brand new parent, you really don't have a true guide or lesson to teach you how to be a parent other than those experiences that you've had yourself or the influences around you. Uh, and I think it's really important for parents to understand that uh, even though there may, there's tons of resources out there now, but back when yeah. I was a dad, there wasn't as many and same, same, I'm sure with you, but um, parents need to understand that there are things that you can take uh, from your childhood and turn them into positives. Like I did with alcoholism. I, I took that. It was bad. I turned it into a positive. Um, <clears throat> what advice would you give to dads about that? Or parents in general, moms too. Yeah, moms are, are just as guilty as alcohol. And I think when you think about the era of COVID, we're all in bad habits. We're all coming out of COVID with bad habits. I mean, I was doing two glasses of wine a night and I'm like, I got to dial back. And I just literally about two months, I wasn't drinking so much around my son, but just at night when he went to bed, I was like, I, you know, tumbler scotch or something. And now it's like, okay, Monday to Thursday, nothing. And then on the weekends, pair it back a little bit. So I, I'm, I think we're all dealing with that because COVID was just such a crazy time. I think, though, that, that to your question about parenting is you can make it whatever you want it to be. And I think if you look at your bad habits, everyone has them. And if you don't know what they are, ask your wife. 
Ask your, your significant other. I'm sure they will be able to point out some flaws, and especially if you want to find out, ask your in-laws. Oh, they have a story for you. Um, but if you can course correct one or two bad habits, not your entire personality, there is such a positive impact on that. Um, my dad had a temper. And the interesting thing I found, I'm curious if you've experienced this, was, man, he was a drinker and he had a temper. And what I have come to learn later in life is that those two things go together. And I'm, I'm curious to ask you, when you went off the alcohol, did you personally felt like your, your tone, your temper were less so after you stopped drinking? I th- it was, and I'll tell you why, um, because I had more clarity in my life. Um, because I wasn't, you know, and I didn't get drunk every night, you know, but because I didn't have the alcohol impacting my, um, the way I looked at things, um, just the clarity that I had in everything around me, not only from my eating habits to, you know, being a dad to being a husband, right. Um, there was a lot more clarity that I had in my life and don't, don't get me wrong. I, to this day, I still miss the alcohol. You know, I can be at family functions and things like that where people are drinking and not have any problems. Like I'm feeling an urge, but um, I would still love to be able to just kick back on a weekend, have a barbecue and, and, and drink a beer. But um, I knew, I knew then that the clarity that I had in my, that I have in my life from not drinking is just, going to benefit me more as a father and how I impact my interact with my kids and the impact that I have on my kids. So yes, it did help. Uh, there were other things that I had to work on as a dad. Um, one of those things being that, you know, and this would be good for parents to know that, you know, don't be so quick to react to things. Your, your kids are going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. Um, but don't be so quick to react to things. Um, take a step back and your spouse can be a good support system for you. My wife and I worked really well together. Uh, when our kids were growing up, there were times where I had to tell her to kind of take, take a break. Uh, there were many a times where I was going to lose my temper and she had to tell me, Hey, you need to go take a break and I'll handle this kind of thing. You know, so you guys got to kind of tag team on that, but yeah, a lot more clarity in my life after, after I stopped drinking for sure. That's awesome. Good for you. And it's funny, it's back to marriage. It's the more you work on it, the more you can work with your spouse. I think it just, I find like being a parent compared to my mom's experience, like I think it's, it's almost, it's so much easier when you have someone in in your, in your corner. And I, you know, I, I talk a lot about the, the Institute, the institution of marriage and just respecting it, preserving it, doing everything you can to, 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 to maintain it, strengthen it. And when you, with that approach, and it, it, like my wife and I, it's funny, I, I started a new, I, I transit, transitioned to a new role in my company and the hours just went from like 35 online a week to like 50, 60. And it's like, well, more than I expected. And I, I had to carve out time in my calendar. And like, now it's like every Friday, we do like a nice lunch, get out, 12 to two, we're down, dialing out, not available. And that's blocked out that time on Friday, straight through the end of the year. And it's little things like that. And that came from, you know, my wife telling me like, hey, you're not around a lot. I'm like, I'm upstairs. She said, no, but you're not here. I'm like, I get it. I'm listening to you. I understand you. I'm going to course correct and let, let's work on it together. And that was just me prioritizing her um, in this crazy new job I have. So I think that, those moments of honesty between couples, if they don't happen, 
then just resentment builds up and that's when things explode. And like, I think about the fights my parents used to have growing up, like these explosive fights and like, God, I don't want that. And we we don't have that, you know, occasionally, but you know, we, we settle things more in a, in a, we let the steam out of the pot, put it that way. And I think when you're a new dad too, it's like having those honest community, honest conversations, just keeping the dialogue going. And then again, if you're a parent of divorce, like I'm married, married 18 years. We know I've known my wife for over 20. And like, I look at that as a badge of honor. I actually have a chapter in the book that says, look, if you come from a divorced household, go back and figure out how many years your parents were married. What's that time frame? And let's say it's eight years or five or 15. And when you surpass that, when you get to like your 16th anniversary and your one year past, or maybe it's 15, the, the, the years they were married and you, you surpass that and you're still married, like you've done something good. Like give yourself some credit. Um, and it's something to celebrate. Yeah, for sure. And it, um, well, congratulations on that. Number one. Um, number two, I mean, we're talking about, uh, our spouses and you have a whole section in your book just related to your wife. Um, it's, as I said, when I was talking earlier that you guys have to kind of work together as a team. And when you're living with somebody essentially 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, you're going to have issues come up. Things are going to happen um, that are going to cause a little bit of turmoil in within the relationship. Maybe uh, maybe a little bit of disconnect between how you guys are communicating. Um, and one thing that I think that parents should understand is that you guys are a team. You guys have to operate together as a team, and you guys have to parent a child or multiple kids as a team. Um, my wife and I, uh, we were we had many times where uh, we were not on the same page. And there were times where we had to table conversations for a later time because we knew the conversation was going in a direction that wasn't going to be healthy for either one of us or our kids. Um, My wife and I actually see a marriage coach um, and we do that not, we do that not because we have problems, but so we don't have problems. And the reason, the reason behind that really just stemmed from, Hey, a lot of people out there have coaches, whether it's pro athletes, you want to go to the gym, you get a fitness coach to help you work out. Why can't we have a marriage coach in our marriage to help us through things that we may be going through? And there are many conversations that we have with our, she's a licensed therapist, but there are many conversations that we have with her that, you know what, we're not having any issues. We don't have anything that's come up over the last month that we really need to talk about. And we just sit and chit chat about different things. And obviously something comes up, but uh, um, I think it's important for parents to understand that you guys are a team and you guys have to work together for the sake of your children. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's great. Um, my wife and I are this June will be 25 years we've been married. So, um, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, let me do this. Um, we talk in the book about, um, not only the privileges of being a a parent, Mm -hmm. but, um, when you, I know that there are many privileges to being, it's a privilege to be a parent for sure. But when you wrote the book, and I want you to be honest, uh, mm-hmm. when you wrote the book, uh, as you're writing, now you're already a dad, right? So right. were there things that you kind of wrote about that you went, oh my gosh, a light bulb went off of my head. Uh, this is something that I need to do as a dad myself. I'm sitting here writing about it. I mean, what lessons did you take from writing the book 
that you have now implemented into you being a parent? Yeah, I think it's what, what we talked about before was the bad habits. And I think um, the alcohol is one of us. I wrote this chapter about limiting bad habits. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I got, I got to do some self-reflection on that. And um, I think another thing was that um, a lot of it came from like just experiences in those first couple of years. Like we had, we got past the first like nine months where we're up at all hours and we're feeding the child and we're not sleeping and the house is kind of a mess. And we, then we were able to get things together and then we'd have a great weekend. And I just would like, my wife just turned to me in, in bed when I said, yeah, this is a great weekend with you. I really enjoyed my time. I'm like, oh, that is like, great to hear. And a Sunday night, it was a, it just philosophically or just psychologically, it's great to hear that. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to encourage that. But I, I, I can't say that like all the advice was really came from observation and what was working for me, but also from that point of view of like, here's how I wanted to turn things around in bite-sized pieces that you can do when you come from a divorced family. And um, I didn't really make up any advice in that book. It was, if it had not been applicable in the real world or wasn't a, a, a concrete example, yeah, it, I wanted to keep it genuine. And again, make, make it, the other thing I did was make sure that the book was, it was, a guy was able to read it in the way that men consume self-help content. Um, and that was coming from working at, worked at Men's Health Magazine and website for almost 10 years. And that, I learned the editors, they don't pour on like, you should do this and make long-winded chapters. It was short, succinct, and it was all about suggestions. And so that self-help genre, I kind of blew it up and said, okay, this isn't working for men. And it really doesn't. So what can I do? It's still look different. It's going to be applicable to a new dad and his, and his journey as a parent. Mm. All right. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. It's, it's something that, um, you know, that we can all learn from um, just, just the simple things. I mean, simple things in our life as, as not only as, you know, parents, but as husband and wife um, enjoying mm-hmm. those, even the smallest moments um, and really cherishing those moments and letting the other spouse know, Hey, that was great. Like your wife said, you know, we had such a great weekend. Remember those times, but even though it may be something that you, I mean, you may guys may not have done anything. You guys just may have went for a walk or, you know, just, it was just kind of a chill weekend and it was very relaxing. So um, just remembering those times and, and um, multiplying them, right. Making, making more times like that, because uh, as, as parents, it's important for us to remember um, those, those memories are the memories that our kids will have, um, and carry yeah. with them and traditions, right. They kind of go with traditions, how, how they're raised and the way that they're raised. Um, they hopefully carry on into their own family, as long as they're, you know, the good things, right. Um, you, you share about legacy and you talk about legacy in the book, um, and legacy starting with communication. And I think that's interesting because I talk a lot about legacy, uh, in, in parenting and, I experience a lot of dads who think that, you know, they're trying to be the financial provider for their family. They're trying to create this financial wealth for their family, but yet they're doing that and they're working these 80 hour weeks uh, to make, um, to become financially independent, if you will. And what they're essentially doing is they're missing out on all the special moments uh, with their kids or their wife uh, because they're away, they're working. Um, and so I talk about legacy in the sense that I haven't necessarily related it to communication like you did in the book, but um, I talk about legacy is that 
are a lot of men focus on legacy being built outside the home. They're trying to build this legacy outside the home for their family, but really legacy starts within the home. And so I think that does relate to what you're talking about with communication. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, how do you relate communication to legacy? Yeah, I think that, and I talk to a lot of guys that get caught up about legacy and they, they think of that as a first focal point is financial. And it's a trap because you can't, you can't be everything. And again, the, it's, the communication angle really starts from if you're able to communicate how you're feeling in a positive way and your kids pick up on that, it not only strengthens the relationships you have with your, your spouse, your friends, your family, it can influence your children to do the same. And being able to explain yourself in an articulate manner uh, without losing your temper, um, without losing your composure, that's a skill and a gift. And it, it benefits everyone in, in, in your family, in your family, when you're able to do that. And of course, we all want to make money and have nicer things and live in a bigger house. But like, I think also when you think about raising that child, if you raise someone that has positive values, a work ethic, um, someone that appreciates education, um, someone that appreciates family, first and foremost, and knows that they have you as your, with their mother and father as there as their bedrocks. I think that scenario, being in a smaller house, buying a used car, having a smaller TV, that's the most important thing. And it's, it's, it all stems from, I think, communication and then just also understanding that these moments that you, you have with your children, they pass. You know, the child you have will never be from zero to one years old again. So you have to be there and again, being there every single day, um, you solidify one more wonderful memories for them. Um, you're absolutely right. And I love that because um, it's something that I don't think enough parents understand. And it's part of the reason why I do this show is I'm trying to help dads realize that. And, and you know, I actually have, I'm almost split on this show. I got 60% dads and 40% moms. So this really goes for both the moms and the dads. Uh, but um, <clears throat> thinking about just experiencing the connections that I have around me, the other dads that I have around me that are so focused on money and yeah. uh, trying to make more money and trying to have the nice things. Uh, they think that that's going to, um, I, I, I don't understand. I, I, I honestly, Kendall, I don't understand it, but they think that that's going to, that proves that they're a good dad when they're doing those types of things. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes. Your job as a father, as a husband, as the man of the house is, yes, you need to be able to provide for your family. So they have a roof over their head, clothing on their backs and food on the table. Right. But not at the sacrifice of your kids, not at the sacrifice of missing those special times, those special moments. And I know within the book you talk about, and I know we're talking a lot about the book, but make sure you guys go pick it up. <laughs> but in the book, you talk about, you know, making the sacrifices at your job to make sure you're being home with your family and at least seeing your kids or, or your child or, or your children at least once a day to where you're spending at least some time with them. And if that means sacrificing a little bit at work to be able to do that, you have to do that. For me, I've worked in corporate America since I've been out of the Marine Corps, but worked in corporate America now 25 years. And it was important to me to make sure I was there for my kids. And the reason I was able to do that is because at my job, I went to them and said, look, 
this is important to me as a dad. This is what I want to do as a dad. This is why I need to be there as a dad. And if I need you to understand that, and I'll make sacrifices at the, uh, at my, for my home, at my home life, I'll make sacrifices to, to get my job done, but I need you to be willing to make sacrifices with me to allow me to do these things with my family. And my job, thank God has been very understanding to that. Now there were times Kendall where I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning and going into the office so I could leave it too. So I could be at a game, coach a game or, or practice. So there were many a times that I was getting up at 4am so I could be at the office, but those are the sacrifices I was willing to make in order to be there for my kids in order to be there for my family. Um, So I think, again, that's something that parents need to um, find a way around. There are workarounds and uh, you know, you talking about it uh, before, but scheduling, prioritizing things uh, to make time for your family, because at the end of the day, when everything's done and over with, and you're about to, you know, go off to see your heavenly father, uh, the people that are going to be around you are your family. That's who's going to be around you. They're the ones that matter the most. Um, so that's, uh, that's great. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I think an important thing is it's the, the times you live in is a couple of things that are happening. I think that we're probably from the same generation. I, I don't know if you consider yourself Gen X. I'm purebred Gen X. Latchkey kid, the whole thing. Millennials and Gen Z generations, I think, are taking a different approach to parenting, a more balanced approach. The other thing we have right now in this country is we have a leg up on employers. Any employee in this country who feels like they are being overburdened or their jobs are drawing too much of their attention and time away from their family when they become a father, you have leverage right now. Might not be having it in a year. And I would advise guys, and this is, happens a lot, is that when you become a dad, you want to work for a family-friendly company. And what I make a point in the book is, is, is it's worth at least exploring other opportunities. I know it's easy to say, but um, it's worth exploring other opportunities and asking the question and listening intently. Is that, are you a family, is this a family-friendly organization? And I had interviews where the response I got was, we got the job done. And that was the response to that. And I'm like, I'll see you later. Like this isn't, this isn't going to work. And when you find that place um, and you're there for however many years, that security you have from that job, knowing they are family friendly and you can, you can duck out for an hour here or come in early like yours did. You're allowed you to come in early to do your job, which is fantastic. Um, it's critical that you have that assessment when you become a new dad. And if it's time to leave a company, it's time to leave company. Um, it's important that your family is built into your schedule and not on an equal basis, but there's times and pockets for you that you can, you can step out of your work life and be get into your dad life. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking your employer, uh, Hey, this is what I have going on this week with my family. These are the things that I need to make sure that I'm, I'm there for. Uh, how can I, as an employee, how can I, attend those events or those things for my family, but also satisfy the needs within the corporation or the company to, to, you know, make you happy. There's got to be a common ground. And I think parents, I have had parents go, you know what, that's great that your company did that for you. My company's just not going to do that for me. Well, first of all, you need to ask because that's what I did. I went to my job and I went to my, my supervisor and said, look, this is what I'm doing. This is important to me. 
and I'll do what I have to do to be here for the job. But at the same time, I'm going to make sure that I'm there for my family. Are you okay with that? And you wait for their response. And if their response is no, you, we absolutely need you here, then yes, I agree with you, Kendall. Then maybe it's time to look elsewhere because there are many companies out there that are family friendly, that understand the importance of family and will work around yeah. your schedule with your family. And again, going back to putting it on the schedule, it's better to have something on the schedule than not. Obviously, our schedules get mixed up. Things happen throughout the week that kind of messes the whole schedule up. But if you have it on the schedule, more than likely, you're going to make sure that you're you're there for it. So uh, making sure you're scheduling. I, I encourage scheduling at least once a week, every Sunday evening. That's when I do mine. I, I talk to my wife about what do you have going on this week? What do I have going on? And how do we make sure that they align so that way we're together as a family or doing the things we need to do for the family? Um, and we do that once a week on Sunday evening. So I would encourage you guys um, take that time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it makes sense. And I, th I think, again, it's, it's a good time to be a parent from a perspective of your employers. I mean, if you can work two days in the office, you can get up a little earlier in your home office. Um, you have greater control. And then you also control your calendar. I mean, think about all the meetings that get scheduled in your calendar and if you're you have the foresight to block out like, okay, Tuesday is lunch, my lunch date with my wife or for coaching, our coaching, our, our games start a little later. So we have a game tonight at six o'clock. So I have time on my calendar booked from 5.30 to seven, just showing that I'm not available. And that's something as simple as that. It allows you to work around the system. And then if you get caught, if you get into a discussion with your boss about it, it's that kind of have that, it's time to have the conversation about um, what your priorities are and how important family is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Kendall, um, if my listeners want to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, um, best place for them to do that. And then obviously about the book, where can they get that? All that, all that good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much. So the book rookie father, when I was released, uh, a few months ago, it is available in national local booksellers. I, anytime I have the chance to, I encourage people to, to shop for the book um, order it through their local bookstores. Um, these local retailers need the help. Let's give it to them. Uh, also, you can find me on therookiefather.com. Email is therookiefather at gmail. Same uh, handle for uh, Instagram and for Facebook. And then on Twitter, I'm author Kendall. And I encourage guys to check out the book and, and get in touch. I, I'm, I'm an open book, no pun intended, when it comes to uh, talking to, to readers and fans. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and even in the back of the book, if I remember correctly, yeah, there's, there's places to connect in the back of the book uh, yeah. where he has all his, all the different uh, areas that you can find him. But um, mm -hmm. Kendall, uh, thank you very much for joining me on dad up. Uh, thank you for sharing not only your father, ex fatherhood experiences, but also trying to help men be better fathers, um, especially new dads. And, and I believe you talked about it in the book, but I believe you're on in the middle of working on the next book, correct? I always am. I got something on the hopper. I like, I started, I'm halfway through writing my next uh, novel, a thriller that I had to, I, with a new job. I, I hit the pause button on that. I had to stop that. So when, after father's day this year, over the summer, I'll be getting up around five 30 in the morning and just plucking away at the keys and hopefully that will, we'll see where that, that project goes. Sometimes I shell it. Sometimes I, I go forward and get it out there and start hustling it. But um, yeah, there's always something in the writing queue in my head. It never turns off. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for joining me. I appreciate it, brother. Really do. Yeah, great talking to you, Brian. It's awesome. Thank you so much.
Thanks again, everybody, for watching and listening to another episode of Dad Up with my good friend, Kendall. Um, make sure you guys are checking out, uh, looking him up, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places, his website. Reach out to him, let him know, uh, and pick up the book. Uh, check it out. Obviously, it's a great read. Um, it's an easy read, and it gives a ton of valuable information in there, uh, not only for parents in general, but especially for new dads. So make sure you guys are checking out the book. Uh, and obviously make sure you guys are subscribing to my show. If you haven't yet, uh, make sure you subscribe to it. Uh, go to Apple iTunes, uh, leave a rating, leave a review. would love to hear your feedback on the episode. And as always, I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast. <laughs>